If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and be turning to the First Corinthian letter, chapter six. First Corinthians, chapter six, and we will be looking this morning at a message appropriately due to the fact that this is the first Sunday in June. We know this that the LGBTQ has taken the month of June captive. And they have declared that it is a month to be proud of their immoral lifestyle. What I want to do today, and I understand this, I'm, I'm not going to win a popularity contest, nor am I here to try to enter one. What I am going to do today is I'm going to bring a message entitled, The Truth About the LGBTQ Lifestyle and the proper Christian response. The truth about this lifestyle and the proper Christian response. What, what should our response be to this lifestyle? And so as you make your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11, through 11, there we will uncover the truth about this lifestyle. There we will uncover the truth of the fact that it is an immoral lifestyle, just as every lifestyle apart from Jesus Christ is an immoral lifestyle. And it is a lifestyle that is in need of redemption. It is a lifestyle that needs the grace of God to be showered upon it and the mercy of Christ to be extended unto it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? I'm glad that the Apostle Paul didn't just say that and leave it to us to figure out who the wicked are. He goes on and he says this, Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And he says this, he says, that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I want us to approach this text today because this text leaves no room for the imagination. Who are the wicked who will not inherit the kingdom of God? All of us fell into that category somewhere, didn't we? We fell into the wicked apart from Christ. We were either lying, stealing. We were adulterous in our thoughts. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you look after a woman and you've lusted, you've committed adultery in your hearts. And Paul here lumps us all into the category that he titles the wicked and says the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very interesting that we live in a time where this certain group with a certain agenda wants to act as if their lifestyles, because that acrostic includes many lifestyles and they're adding some to it daily, 
But they want to believe that this certain lifestyle that they live is not considered sinful. We're going to see, and have already seen in reading the text, but we're going to see in detail that's not the case. But I want us to know the truth about this LGBTQ lifestyle. And the truth is defined according to Scripture. How many of you understand that? I pray that we have a group of believers here who say, you know what, my feelings don't matter. My ideas don't matter. My philosophies don't matter. What I feel or what I think is really irrelevant to what the truth of God says. I pray that we have a group of people here today who say we want to know the truth from the absolute truth, which is the Word of God. How many of you say, I want to know the truth from God's Word? Understand this. With knowing the truth comes some responsibility. And I want to give you that at first. Because if you really know the truth, the ignorance card can no longer be played from this point forward. The ignorance, ignorance card is no longer an option. You either A, believe the truth of the Word of God, or B, you walk out of here and you deny the truth of the Word of God and you face the consequences of denying the truth of the Word of God. But I want us to see from this text, you know as I always do, we've read the text, let's break this text down and let's see what is this text really talking about? What is it saying? What is it saying in particular to the LGBTQ lifestyle? Now, I know what many of you are going to say immediately. Why are you picking a fight with these people? I'm not. I'm not the one who highlighted the immorality that I was saved from and wanted a whole month to celebrate it. They are. And so what I'm doing is I'm simply responding to the lies of Satan and to the deceit that these people unfortunately have bought into. And this deceit, as we have already seen, is going to keep them from inheriting the kingdom of God just as my deceit would have kept me from inheriting the kingdom of God had I stayed in that deceit and not been rescued by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see this first and foremost as we read this. The first verses tell us this. Verse 9 says this, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he says this statement next. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. I believe this 100% that the LGBTQ community is deceived. They're deceived. You know how I know they're deceived? Because obvious truth says they're deceived. A young boy who was born a young boy looks in the mirror and says, I want to be a girl. You are deceived. You are a boy. God decided that's what you were going to be. A girl does the same. She looks in the mirror for whatever reason. We know that they are psychological reasons and they are reasons that were probably out of her control. Things that she went through, potentially abuse. I get all of those things. Those things contribute to a lot of sin because that's things that come from the fallen nature. But it gives us no excuse not to acknowledge them and to call them immorality. And so that young girl looks and says, you know what, I want to be a boy. Well, the fact is, if God wanted you to be a boy, He would have made you a boy. Why aren't parents telling kids this? No, kids are applauding. I mean, parents are applauding kids. Oh, I'm I'm glad that they want to be their own them. Right? We get to hear that all that. You just be you. No, how about this? Just basic, simple thinking. You be what God created you to be. That's the only place that you're really going to find fulfillment. Is to be who God says that you are. It starts with basic creation. He wanted you to be a male, therefore be a male. Men, teach young boys how to be men. Ladies, teach young girls how to be ladies. You'll find this when you do that. Ladies will be ladies and men will grow up to be men. 
It stems from deception, and Satan loves to deceive, doesn't he? He loves to, in conjunction with our sinful, wicked hearts, he loves to talk us into believing things that aren't true. He loves it. In fact, it's what he's been doing since he's been on this earth. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, we see this very clearly. There is Eve is being tempted. The woman said to the serpent in verse 2 of chapter 3, she said, we may, not eat, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say. I think I remember something. About you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. Is that what God said? Yes, it is. 100% truth. Is that the truth of what He said? Yes, you could go back in the previous verses of Scripture and you can read that. Now, Satan, being the deceiver that he is, says this, you will not surely die. And in her ignorance, she bought into it. And here we are. From that moment, moment, we know this, that man entered into a realm. She, she saw it. She ate it. She gave it to her husband, said it was good to eat. He fell, and we all fell with them. Now, all sin started from this point. And all sin started with deception. Can I say this to all of you who think that Satan is a fairy tale? He is a deceiver. And he is deceiving people all of the time by the multitudes, one after the other. In fact, we are inundated with his deception. Any store you go into in the month of June, anything you look at online, you're finding out new products that now they're supporting this agenda. There are restaurants, and I wish you would boycott them. There are restaurants that we can't even eat in because everything is about supporting an immoral lifestyle. Now let me just ask this. What if we fell into the deception of thinking that adultery is okay? Would any of you be hip on the month of July being adultery pride month? No, that would be foolish, wouldn't it? Because you haven't bought into that deception. But many have bought into the deception that this is just another lifestyle. That these people deserve a right to do whatever they want to do. It's called relative truth. And you are being inundated with it. We as believers do not believe in relative truth. We believe in absolute truth. And we just read that God's Word said this stems from deception. And there's an enemy and he's deceiving people by the drove. Because the enemy loves to lie and to deceive and to steer people away from the truth of God and the truth of God's Word. This deception is due to your ignorance. He uses it. And I'll tell you this, you can't leave here today, as I've already said, and still claim ignorance. Because the truth that we are going to see today is going to erase any claim that you might have had of ignorance. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 14, it says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Anybody here ever lived in ignorance and fulfilled your evil desires? But then the truth of Jesus Christ came forth and something happened, didn't it? Verse 15 in that verse in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. All of us who are saved here today have been called out of an unholy lifestyle of some sort. And while you were in your ignorance, God had mercy upon you. But when the truth came forth, 
You are responsible for that truth that you receive. Please understand me here today. You can't leave here and say, I'm just ignorant about this homosexual lifestyle or the LGBTQ community and lifestyle. They can just do what they want to do, and I just choose not to do that, but they're, they're okay whatever they want to do. That's absolutely positively impossible once you have been enlightened to the truth. When you have been enlightened to the truth, you realize that Satan is deceiving this whole entire group of people. Not only is he deceiving the group of people who participate in such lifestyles, he's also deceiving the other groups of people who condone such lifestyles. It hurts my heart to see the Christians who are embracing the homosexual agenda as if it's not sinful. As if it's just another flavor. Oh, that's what they like. Even though it's not what I like, well, they're free to choose what they like. And I want to choose what I like. And unfortunately, when you find that attitude, you find a Christian who's living a lukewarm lifestyle wanting to justify their sins so they dare not say that anyone else is wrong. And so as we look at this, we see that it stems from deception. Please understand. Please have compassion on the fact that these folks are in deception. They have been deceived. The only thing that can cancel their ignorance and their deceit is the truth. The only thing that's going to cancel that is the truth. And it is up to us as born-again believers to proclaim the truth of the Word of God. The fact is that the LGBTQ agenda and lifestyle is sin. God's Word says it so. So we see the first thing is that it stems from deception. Paul is warning them, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Why? He was writing to a group of people who were saved out of all sorts of sexual immorality and they were wanting to hold on to it. And he's saying, you cannot. Don't be deceived. You cannot stay in this lifestyle and claim to still be a Christian. You are deceived by the enemy. He says, don't be deceived. But then he goes on. And he says this, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He wants us to know this, that the LGBTQ lifestyle, among all the other immoral lifestyles, still stand as sin according to Scripture. Not only do they stem from deception, they stand as sin. God has not changed His mind over is this sin or is it not sin. If God has deemed something as sin, I assure you this, it is still and always will be sin. It is in opposition to His perfect holiness. He gives us a list. And He throws the homosexual offender in there with this other laundry list of immoral people who I've already said we all fit into one of those groups at some place in our life before we knew Christ. And He wants us to know this. He wants us to know that it's still sin. You don't get to pick it out and decide this one's not sin because I want to accept it. It's interesting to me that no one in their right mind, no one in their right mind, would try to somehow justify the other things on this list. Right? No one here today that if you walked out of this church when we're, we conclude today, you walk out and your vehicle's gone because a thief stole it. No one here would say, you know what, I'm not even going to call the police today. I'm just going to let that ride because a thief is just a thief. That's just who they are. And thieves steal. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let them have my car, not even going to report it as stolen. Just, just go get me another one. 
Or none of us today would be walking out and walking across the parking lot holding hands with our wife or our husband. As we're walking across, someone of the opposite sex comes and hits on our wife or our husband attempting to have an adulterous relationship with them. None of us would say, it's okay. They're just adulterers. And you know, people are going to be what? People are going to be. No, hopefully that you would defend your spouse to a man and say, hey, hold on, buddy. No, says I. Not going to happen here. Hopefully you would say, I'm going to call the police and report my car as stolen. Right? You wouldn't embrace any of these other sins here. If you walked out right now, you saw someone worshiping a graven image. They, they built a totem pole out in our prayer garden under that oak tree, and they're worshiping it. You wouldn't just go, adulterers, idolaters, excuse me, are just going to be idolaters. Or if you went to the restroom when we conclude, and you walk in the restroom, and there's someone there, and they're obviously drunk, out of their mind, throwing up in the urinal. You wouldn't go, huh, drunk's going to be a drunk. Hallelujah. No, you would come to me and say, Pastor, we got a problem. What's the problem? There's a drunk guy in the bathroom throwing up in the urinal. Because we obviously know that these things belong on this list. Why then does the LGBTQ lifestyle and community, why do they try to remove theirs from this list? We must see it as sin. Because it stands as sin. Because God's Word says that it's sin. Homosexuality, along with all sin, will never be anything but sin. Don't take anything in Scripture that is defined as sin and try to define it as something else. It's not. It will always, under every single circumstance, be sin. In fact, the only healthy sexual relationship that you can participate in that is not sin, are you listening to me, is a relationship between a husband and a wife that are married. That relationship is okay with God. All other sexual relationships deviate from God's will and His Word, and they are sin, including the LGBTQ community and their lifestyle. It stands as sin. Why? Because God has declared it as sin. And I know this is when the arguments come up. They say, well, Pastor, I believe your translation that you're reading from is inaccurate when it says homosexual. Surely that must mean something else. Well, it probably does if you twist it and tweak it enough. But I promise you in the original language, it means this, a sodomizer. And so when you know the definition of that, you understand, okay, homosexual is a lot nicer. But here's the thing, in case you didn't really understand, God defines it for us other places in Scripture, and He actually describes the act for us instead of just labeling it something. He says in Leviticus chapter 18, but wait, preacher, Leviticus doesn't matter anymore said the liberal Christian antinomian. Leviticus shows us what sin truly is. Please understand that. Leviticus also shows us that we can never be righteous enough. And it took the righteousness of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to this earth to rescue us from those sins. But here's what it says in Leviticus about this particular sin, homosexuality. Leviticus 18, verse 22. Do not lie, that means have intercourse, with a man as one lies with a woman. He says this, that is detestable. That's disgusting. It's an abomination. Now, some of you have been forced as Christians to feel bad because you think that's disgusting. In fact, you, you've been forced to not think that it's disgusting anymore. Can I say this? We have liberty to, to think that it's disgusting because God's Word says that it's disgusting. 
Homosexuality is disgusting. So is all sexual immorality of any kind. It is disgusting. God says it's detestable. And you either A, agree with God, or B, you disagree with God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on his side. I want to be on his side. Deuteronomy chapter 22 says it like this. Verse 5. For all the trans identifiers here today, whatever it is that you're identifying as now, we don't know, it changes with the weather. But here's for you who are trying to justify that particular sin. A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing. For the Lord your God... Wait, that's just clothes. It's that big a deal? For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Now, let me just tell you this. This is not a book of Kirk's opinions. This is the same book that I ask you. Do you believe this is true? Do you believe it's absolutely true? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Do you believe that part? If you believe that part, then it's not cute when parents are dressing their male children up as little girls and having them participate in some type of fashion show all in the name of the future drag queens that are going to be in this earth. So it's not cute, it's sin. And it's high time we as believers not back down from saying that sin is sin. All sin is sin. It will always be sin. It will be nothing other than sin. Period. Romans chapter 1, in case you want a New Testament reference, right? Because that's what they do next. Well, that's all Old Testament. It doesn't matter. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 26. Want to do that? Because of this. Because of what? Let's read it. Because of this, God gave them over. Because of their idolatry, their immorality, their refusal to recognize who God truly is. He says, because of this. We'll read the whole text in a moment. God gave them over to shameful lust. What kind of lust? Shameful. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. That's for the L. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. That's for the G. Well, we pretty much covered their whole acrostic, haven't we? Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. That's what the Word of God calls it. The Word of God calls it perversion. Now, I know the liberal world has dressed it up and calls it an alternative lifestyle. But God still says that it is a perversion. He still says that it is disgusting. It is an abomination. And it is detestable. And, let me say this, it is okay as Christians to agree with what God says. You don't have to apologize for that. I am tired of an immoral group of people wanting me to apologize for my desire that has been placed in me by the Holy Spirit to be holy because the Lord my God is holy. I'm not going to apologize for being holy. He desires that I'm holy. In fact, that's why Jesus Christ died for me. To make me holy. So that I would be presentable to a holy God. And so we see that the LGBTQ lifestyle stems from deception. It stands as sin. Don't make it anything else other than sin. And God will never accept any sin as anything other than sin. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4. The Lord says, You are, I mean, the word says, excuse me, you are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord. Abhors. And I know what you say. Well, does, the, does the Lord really hate evil? Yes. 
Yes, be thankful that He does. Be thankful that he, that he does. Did you know His hatred for evil is what caused Him to see our need to send His only begotten Son to this earth in eternity past? He saw that we were going to fail and He already made provision for His glory in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who rescues us from our sin. Well, I'm thankful that He sent His Son to rescue me, that He cannot ever look on sin with anything other than total abhorrence. It's disgusting to God. Oh, oh, what a thing to know this, that the disgust of my sin was paid for because Jesus bore my disgust so that I could have His righteousness. Oh, that will change the whole way you view Christianity, won't it? It's not that one sin is any more grotesque than the other. All sin is grotesque. And God in His holiness despises all sin. And I'm thankful that He does because had He not hated sin so much, He would not have rescued me from the thing that He hates most because in the eternity past, He decided to love me. And His love for me and His hatred for sin is what caused Jesus Christ to rescue me through His blood sacrifice that He made for me on the cross. I'm thankful today that God hates sin. Because His hatred for sin Caused him to rescue me from mine. Well, think about that for a second. So we see that it stands as sin, it stems from deception. Then the next thing is pretty unfortunate. Let's look at immorality as a whole. But definitely in light of the LGBTQ lifestyle, it shows a person's separation from God. We are separated from God. It separates us. I don't play around with this. Verse 10. The second part, it says, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. Not not possibly not, not, not. Maybe not. Will not. Ephesians chapter 4 says this in verse 17, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. How did the Gentiles live? In blatant sexual immorality. Go back and research it. In the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. And watch this. And separated from the life of God. That's for all the people who want to raise the LGBTQ banner and say, we're all God's children. No, you are not. Anyone in an immoral lifestyle who has not been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ is separated from God. You are not a child of God. You are a child of Adam. You are a child of sin. You are a child of Satan. He says you're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. A continual lust for more. Sin separates us from God. God's Word is very clear about that. These Immoral people, as we all once were, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because sin alienates us from a holy God. We cannot have a relationship with a holy God. Why? Watch this. Because He's holy. We are everything opposite of holy in and of ourselves in our unrepentant state. Colossians tells us this in chapter 1, verse 21. It says, once... I love that when he talks to a believer, he talks in past tense. Once you were alienated. That word is cut off. Once you were cut off from God. 
and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. What does that really mean? That means you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Meaning this. You were behaving evil because it was your natural bend. And in your mind, you became an enemy of God. How? Because instead of accepting that God said that your lifestyle is wrong, what you did in your mind, you tried to justify it. And what you did is you came at God. And you said, God, I know more than you do. It's for the transgender who says, God made me a man, but I want to be a woman. I know more than God. In their mind. Because of their behavior, they tried to justify their actions. Can I tell you this? Try as you may, you cannot justify your sin before a holy God. It will not work. In your mind, as you try to justify it, you are saying, God, you're wrong. And God says, no, I'm right. And you say, no, you're wrong. And I'll tell you why you're wrong. Because you're wrong because if I wasn't supposed to be like this, then I wouldn't have these urgings. Really? You think God wanted everyone to be fat? No, you would look at that and you would say, that's crazy. But some of you, your urgings for food are so strong, you just can't help it. You going to blame God for that one? I don't remember God ever making you go to the buffet. You say, well, that seems kind of harsh. No, isn't it true? Self-control is self-control in any aspect of our life, isn't it? And so here's the thing, because they have a lack of self-control, they want to blame God. Did you know this? In your flesh, you're not going to be able to control your flesh. Your flesh is going to control you. And so what they do is in their mind, they try to justify becoming enemies to God. Sin alienates us from a holy God. It causes us to be enemies. It causes us to be cut off from God. It produces hostility between us and God. Hostility. Did you know this? The sexual immoral, and their lifestyle. Did you notice they're living a lifestyle that is hostile to God? That's why many of them become atheists. Right? Isn't it easier? It's easier just to not believe in God at all because if I, if, if I believe in Him, then i got to at least listen to what He says. But if I just erase His existence, well, then I can do whatever I want to do. Did you know this? There will be no atheists in hell. There will be no atheists on Judgment Day. Just as there are no atheists in foxholes, as many of us have heard, there will be no atheists. Because I know this, as Scripture says, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Sin separates us from God and His holiness, causing hostility between us. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. That includes the LGBTQ community. That includes uh, any community that is living a lifestyle or any person that is living a lifestyle of immorality and sin. Any person who has in their life never come to faith in Jesus Christ, your life is corrupted by sin. You are in a lifestyle of sin until Jesus rescues you. Uh, Don't dare let anyone accuse me today of coming at the homosexuals. And their agenda. I would ask that you would defend me in where I'm coming from today. I'm coming to bring all sinners to the knowledge that without Jesus Christ, there is no redemption. And that includes the LGBTQ community. But you must first understand that you are separated from God. Why? Because that is still sin. 
There's only one cure for sin, and his name is Jesus. And he came, and he came to die for your sin. He came to rescue the L's, the G's, the B's, the T's, the Q's, and the K's, the Kirk's. He came to rescue all of us who by faith will trust in Him, repenting of our sin, believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, being justified freely by His grace and not our own merit. Separates us from God. His holiness. Please see, that's all sin will ever do. Oh, it'll thrill you for a moment. But when that's mo- that moment's gone, all you're left with is the fact that you're hostile toward God and separated from Him and His goodness. Sin leads ultimately to God's wrath and to man's reprobation. I told you we're going to read all of this portion of Romans chapter 1. Turn over there if you would. Romans chapter 1. As we read this together. Verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. How much of it? All of it. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. He's saying there's no excuse for men. God has made Himself clearly visible and clearly known. For all day they knew God, meaning they had a head knowledge of Him, because it was obvious, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Man, their minds began to just close off. He goes on to say, although they claimed to be wise, right? You ever, you ever meet all these educated atheists? Aren't they interesting? For although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. He's talking about the idolatry of the day. Our idolatry in our day is the idol of self. Here in our culture, we worship me, right? I am my own God. I am my own deciding factor. Verse 24 says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Right? We had idolatry. Now we have sexual immorality. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Watch what it says in verse 26. Because of this, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. He goes on and he says, men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to, do, to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. He goes on to say, They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree 
that those who do such things deserve death. He says, they know this. You can't leave here today and not know this, for the wages of sin is death. We've all concluded that we are all sinners. He says, though they know that these things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, watch this, pay attention to it, but also approve of those who practice them. Your approval of it just put you into the same category. A Christian cannot approve of an immoral lifestyle. Why? Because we know it contradicts God and His Word and His holiness. So be careful. All of you so-called Christians who are trying to embrace this movement just so that you will stay in good standing with all of your immoral friends. God said not only those who practice such things, but those who approve of them. Why is it important that we see this? Not to bash those who are in this lifestyle. That's not my attempt here today. That's not what I want to do. You know what I want to do? I want those who are in this lifestyle to, style to understand that it stems from deception, that they have been deceived, that it is still sin, and that it does truly separate us from God just as all sin does. It produces hostility between us and our Creator. And it ultimately leads to His wrath and to your reprobation. Please know this. God is sovereign over reprobation just as He is over salvation. I don't get to decide when He gives you over to your immorality. But He does. And here's the thing. I want to warn as many people that I can while I have breath in my lungs. Repent before it is too late. Just as Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's not hate toward anyone. That's love that I am willing to risk the very fact that you will even talk to me ever again. To risk the fact that I know this. The Facebook messages are coming. The emails are coming. And the only reason that they're coming is because I love the immoral people of this world enough to tell them the truth. That they must repent of their sin and they must turn to Jesus Christ before it is everlasting too late. Period. I will not apologize for that. There are many churches who are skirting the issue right now. There are many churches, or so-called churches, I don't even call them churches, who are celebrating with them right now. And I cannot celebrate with the homosexual the same way that I cannot celebrate with the murderer. And I cannot celebrate with the thief. And I cannot celebrate with the adulterer and the liar. Why? Because God does not celebrate those things. The LGBTQ lifestyle stems from deception. It stands as sin. It separates a person from God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. All unrepentant sinners will not inherit the kingdom of God. And they are included in this group. Number four. The LGBTQ lifestyle shows a person's need for salvation. More than anything, their attempt to use a whole month to justify their lifestyle proves to me their need for a Savior. Right? I don't have heterosexual, married, Christian, male month. Can, can I be honest with you? I give no thought about that. Because it's right. I don't have to give thought to the things that are right. They're right. But those who are wrong, they are the ones who are always coming up with new agendas, aren't they? 
So even their very justification in their agenda proves their need for a Savior. They recognize it as sin. They want to get everybody on board trying to help them justify it. Right? we got stuffed animals. We've got gay Legos now. Gay Kellogg cereal. Gay clothes. we got pronouns being talked about. Which pronoun do we use? Here's, here's what you use. Okay? If you have a baby and he's born a little boy, he is a he as long as he lives. And if you have a daughter who is born a little girl, she is a she as long as she lives. Stop messing this up. Those of us who have been rescued from the depravity of our mind, we look at that and we go, man, that's messed up. How can people think that way? Depravity of the mind, just as we read in Romans. And in the depravity of their mind, they're doing what we did when we were in the depravity of our mind. Didn't we do it? We try to justify it. Right? Oh, I could justify, justify anything, right? Because, oh, if, man, if I had that urge, whatever that sin might be, it must be that I'm supposed to do it or God wouldn't have let me have that urge. So I stole a car. No, we look at that and we say that's foolish, but it's what they're doing. Me stealing a car would reveal to me and everyone else what I need a savior. Because I'm a thief. Me committing sexual immorality would say I need a savior. Me gambling my life away or drinking my life away, it would say to me, I need a what? Savior. Me trying to justify it all the more. It calls everyone who had any sense to conclude if they're having to justify it, there must be something wrong with it. And so as we look at this, please understand, it shows a person's need for salvation. They must acknowledge their sinfulness. Verse 11 says this. When we, we go back to Romans chapter, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me flip over there. Get back to where I was. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says this, and this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That verse right there shows that we need a change. He lists all of those categories. In all those categories, he starts by saying they're wicked and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he reminds the church, and don't forget it's what you were. I, I love that it's past tense. Did you know this? There, there are no sexually immoral Christians, nor Christian idolaters, nor Christian adulterers, nor Christian male prostitutes, nor Christian homosexuals, nor Christian thieves, nor greedy Christians, nor drunkards, nor slanders, right? Because we can't live those lifestyles that we once lived. How many of you understand this? It's impossible for us to continue in a lifestyle of sin and truly be born again. I promise you, I preached through 1 John. I assure you, that is the truth. I don't want to go back and preach through 1 John again today. But if I need to, I will. If you've been brought into the light, you can't continue in the darkness any longer, can you? Those of us who have been born again, we know this. Now, could you sin in any of those areas? You bet. Could you be tempted in any of those areas? You bet. But with the Holy Spirit of God living in you, draw you out of those sins and not let those sins continue to master you? Yes, 100%. It's a promise from God. But many people in their immorality stuck there. Need salvation. And in order to be saved, they must acknowledge sinfulness, just as we all had to acknowledge sinfulness. Did you know Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And so pride is not 
acknowledgement of sin. Pride is acceptance of sin. I, I, I don't have a sin in my life that I'm proud of. Not since I've come to Christ. No, you know what? I'm ashamed of everything that I've ever done. Why? Because my filth nailed my Savior to that tree. My filth nailed my Savior to that tree. He had no sin. There was no sin in Him. He was demonstrating the love of the Father and He became sin for me in my place. He bore my filth. I'm not proud of those things. In fact, there are many things none of you will ever know about. There are many thoughts that I will never divulge, just as you have those things and those thoughts. Aren't you glad that's what you once were? But you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. All the LGBTQ lifestyle shows a need for salvation. Why? Because it's a sinful lifestyle, and all sinful lifestyles need salvation. Yet they're still trying to justify it. Justification is not acknowledgement of sin. Justification is you trying to cover up your sin. Isn't that what happened to Adam and Eve? Again, let's go back to the garden. Oh, let's hide. You ever tried to hide from a sovereign God? Not an easy task. But they hid in their shame. In fact, they took fig leaves and tried to cover their shame up. And they hid. And then they tried to justify it. Why'd you do that, Adam? That, That woman you gave me. Yeah. He wasn't acknowledging his sin. He was trying to justify his sin. He was trying to blame someone else. Right? And that's what they try to do. If there is a God, then I blame Him because He made me this way. I can assure you this. God did not make you immoral. Sin made you immoral. And He is the cure for all immorality. We must acknowledge our sinfulness. Stop trying to justify it. Stop being proud of it. Stop trying to erase God's Word and what it says about it. If God's Word says it's sin, listen to me, it's sin. There's never going to be anything else. Stop trying to erase it. It's never going to go away. Why? Because the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the Word of God stands forever. Just let me quote Isaiah who Jesus quoted. The Word of God stands forever. It's not going away. He he still says these things are sinful and immoral. Stop trying to justify them. Acknowledge them. You want to be set free from your lifestyle of sin? You can be set free from your lifestyle of sin today. I don't care what letter you use to abbreviate yourself. Today, He can set you free, but you must first acknowledge your sinfulness. Because it is in acknowledging our sinfulness that we really see our need for a Savior. All unrepentant sinners need the Savior. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says it like this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that He considered me faithful, appointing me to His service. Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Many of you in the LGBTQ community are acting in ignorance and unbelief. You're acting in sin. You can no longer act in ignorance and unbelief after this point forward because you have been brought to the light of the truth through the preaching of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul says, until I was brought to that place, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and I was violent. What he was saying is I killed Christians because that's what he did. And he did it all from a sincere standpoint. He thought he was doing God a favor by getting rid of God's chosen people. Only later to realize that he was wrong. And he had to admit that he was wrong. 
and the grace of God was poured out on him. It says this, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me and me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Paul is proclaiming there a patient God who graciously will lavish His mercy and His salvation upon you. I would say this to you, if you are in, in, enwrapped and enthralled in the LGBTQ lifestyle or any immoral lifestyle of any other kind for that matter, there is a God who by His grace will save you through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ as you believe and you trust in Him and Him alone to save you. Paul said, I'm the worst. You don't get any worse than me. Yet He saved me. And I'll tell you this. The devil loves to lie to you, those of you who might be wrapped up in some type of sinful lifestyle. I don't care if it's the LGBTQ lifestyle, if it's drunkenness or sexual immorality or whatever it may be. The devil loves to tell you this, you've gone too far. Let me tell you this, if he has you here this morning under the sound of my voice, and there is oxygen in your lungs, this day Jesus Christ could save you from your sin. It doesn't matter how bad the devil says that you are. Jesus is in the business of saving blaspheming, murdering, church-persecuting people and raising them up to be useful vessels for God just as He did the Apostle Paul. Maybe today you hear His voice. You receive life and forgiveness of sin in Christ and Christ alone. All unrepentant sinners need a Savior. Heterosexual sinners, they need a Savior. Homosexual sinners, they need the same Savior. So no matter what you identify as, identify with Christ. No matter what you identify as, identify with Christ. That means this, I am hopeless and helpless in the sin that I identify with and I need Christ, the Lord, to save me of my sin today. Let me just tell you this, if you're still identifying with some type of immorality, some type of immorality defines you and that is your identity, you are not identifying with Christ. You're identifying with sin. A Christian identifies with Christ. It is what some of you once were. Your sexual immorality, your lying, your thieving, your homosexuality, all those things on that list ought to be in the past if you claim to be in Christ. If they're not in the past, chances are you are not in Christ. Please examine that so that you don't have some false assurance when judgment day comes. Because here's the deal. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. I know that's what the homosexuals like to do when you preach something like this. Quit judging us. Listen, I promise you this. If you're here under the sound of my voice, you're listening on Facebook, wherever you may be, I'm not judging you. I'm saying this to you. You are condemned already. You are condemned already just as I was. I had nothing to look forward to for eternity but judgment in hell. And praise be to God through Jesus Christ my Lord, He rescued me from certain judgment. I am not here to judge you, but I am here to warn you about the judgment that is to come. And when He judges, He is right, and He is holy, and He is just in everything that He decides for all eternity. And I promise you this, we are reading this in its context, and it says this, these people who live these immoral lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I would say to you today, repent and turn to Christ as the only one who can save you from your immoral lifestyle of sin. 
Sin, by its very nature, should open our eyes to the need for Christ. Shouldn't it? By its very nature, should open our eyes to our need for a Savior. We recognize sin as sin. We see our problem. If we don't recognize sin as sin, we don't see that we have a problem. Isn't it interesting that this particular sin that we are dealing with this morning, they refuse to see it as sin. Because if they were to truly see it as sin, they would know that they have a need for a Savior. And you know how you realize that something is sinful? The same way that the Apostle Paul says that he realized things were sinful. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. The Apostle Paul was saying this, once we have sin brought to light through the Scriptures, he said, I wouldn't have known what coveting was until I saw that the law said, don't covet. And in that, he realized that he was covetous. Maybe today you don't realize that sexual immorality is sin. Now you do because God's Word has said it is sin and He has condemned it as such. Therefore, you can no longer see that you don't need a Savior, but you see that you need a Savior desperately. And that today in that you would cry out to the only Savior who can save man from their sin, the only name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. Romans tells us we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. Romans tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. When we come to that conclusion that we are all sinners, we are all separated from God, it should cause us and bring us to a point where we cry out to a Savior who can save us. Maybe this morning some of you will finally have your eyes open to your sin. And having your eyes open to sin, you'll see your need for a Savior. Oh, I know we live in a church culture where sin is not the popular thing to preach about. In fact, many so-called pastors say that they never mention sin from the pulpit so that people don't feel condemned. And I say this to you, if you are an unrepentant sinner, feel condemned this morning. If you have repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, understand this, you are no longer condemned. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for He who is in Christ Jesus. You have been set free. You have been forgiven. You are no longer condemned. Those of you who are still in an immoral lifestyle, unrepentant sin, identifying with your flesh, with your evil desires, you're not identifying with Christ. And this morning, I pray that the Spirit of God break you, that you would cry out to Jesus to save you and to wash you and to cleanse you from all of your sin. The LGBTQ lifestyle stems from deception stands as sin. It separates a person from God. It shows a person's need for salvation. All those things are all true as defined in the Scripture that we looked at this morning. You can leave here and choose to believe something else. And when you do, you choose to, in your beliefs, to contradict the Word of God. Now, what do we do with this church? What is the proper Christian response? This is our conclusion. I told you we were going to be looking at the truth about the LGBTQ lifestyle and the proper Christian response. The first thing, and the first response that we need to consider 
we must counter the lies with the truth. Counter the lies with truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed Him, they had that head knowledge. Jesus said this, He said, If you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? They were slaves to religion. That's what He was telling them. They were slaves to legalism. They were slaves to self-righteousness. He goes on, He says this, Jesus replied in verse 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. How many of them? Everyone. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Counter the lies of the LGBTQ lifestyle with the truth that Jesus sets people free from sin. Period. Don't back down from that. Number two, consider all sin as sin. The second thing on the list of how should we respond as Christians, consider all sin as sin. Even yours. Even yours. And know this. No sin has a place in the life of a believer. Don't give, don't give anyone any ammo to say, yeah, well, I may be LD, LGBTQ, but I saw you at a crawfish boil drunk last weekend. You consider all sin, sin, even yours. Because here's the thing, there are many people, Paul said this to the church, he said there are many among you who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. Why? Because you don't count sin as sin unless it's a sin you don't like. Let me remind you, all sin is sin. It will always be sin. It will never be anything but sin. Even ours. Despise it. Mortify it. Crucify it daily. John Owen said, be constantly killing sin or it shall be killing you. Consider all sin as sin. That's what John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, he says all unrighteousness is sin. Your haughty attitude toward the LGBTQ, sin. Your gossip about them, sin. Your slander regarding them, sin. Consider all sin, sin. Number three, and how we should respond to the LGBTQ lifestyle and community. Compassionately point sinners to their need for God's reconciliation and righteousness. Compassionately. Why is that important? Because without love, you are a clanging symbol. Without love, you are a clanging symbol. You don't have to embrace their immoral lifestyle to show them the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of Christ. Love them with the compassion of Christ. Are you thankful this morning that Christ loved you in spite of you? And love them in spite of them as you preach them the truth, as you show them the error of their way, as you show them the love of Christ. Did you know this? And this is what people don't understand. You can preach hard on sin and hard on judgment and still do it with love and compassion in your heart for the sinner that you're preaching to. I say this to you today, anyone here who's struggling with anything that we've said today, I'm telling you these things because I love you. I don't want to win a popularity contest. I don't want to build a mega church with a bunch of people who are shallow. I want sinners to come to repentance and to experience the love of God in Christ and to be changed forever. It comes with compassion for their souls. Don't write them off as just 
that group of people who are disgusting, they're just as disgusting as you were. And I'm thankful that when I was disgusting and rotten and filthy and deserving of hell, God lavished His love upon me in Christ, rescuing me from my sin. I'm thankful that when I was that renegade, there was a preacher who was brave enough to preach the truth to me and not be afraid about offending me, but he loved me enough to tell me the cold hard fact that I am a sinner and I am on my way to hell and I need Christ to save me. Compassionately point sinners to their need for God's reconciliation and righteousness. Love the sinner enough to bring them to the point of truth. James talks about this in James chapter 5, verse 19. He says, My brothers, if anyone, one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Oh, isn't that our appropriate response to rescue the perishing and to care for the dying? Oh, to walk across the street. Oh, even if they're not going to accept it, to, to tell the transgender person that Jesus Christ could save them from their sin at this very moment, if they would by faith trust and believe in Him, He would wash them and cleanse them and change them immediately. Oh, well, I'm afraid if I did that, they would be offended. They might be. But what if God sent you to show them the love of Jesus Christ and to preach the Gospel to them that they would be saved that very day. Compassionately point sinners to their need for God's reconciliation and righteousness. Love sinners enough to point them to the truth. Take a risk. Risk offending someone because you love them so much. Did you know this? A true friend is always going to tell you the truth. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth in love. Have compassion for their souls. And lastly, continually preach the gospel of salvation in Christ alone to every sinner. To every sinner. This is the anthem of Christianity. This is our commission. This is what Jesus told us to do. To go and to preach the gospel. There would be no hope for the sinner if there was not the preaching of the gospel. The preacher, that's your job. No, that's your job too. I preach Him from the pulpit as well as in the streets. You must preach Christ in every opportunity that you have. You have loved ones who maybe they're involved in some of these lifestyles that we talked about today. The only thing that's going to set them free is the truth. Why? The truth is what sets them free. We just read that in John's Gospel. So preach the truth of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I say it nearly every week. I hope that I live it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. Everyone. The LGBTQ, the murderer, the drug addict, the whoremongering adulterer. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, and we need not be ashamed of it. Oh, we can sit back and we can gripe about all these lifestyles and all this laundry list of bad things that we see. But are you truly sharing the Gospel with them? The Gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the only hope for any sinner, no matter what letter they choose to abbreviate themselves with. 